As Nigel said, we're doing a series on, on war, and Joe did the, the first one. And um, this kind of series on war is an invitation, a challenge, an encouragement for us as individuals, as a church, to step into more. And also the aim is just to kind of give us some steps, some footholds on how we can step into this. Now I want to start off, because I tend to always do this at some point, kind of explain why do we do this. Somebody asked me this week, so why are you doing a series on, on more? And I guess for me, uh, I think there's kind of two reasons why we're doing a series on more. And you hopefully will fit into one of or both of these categories. Firstly, our aim is just to kind of make you more hungry, to increase that desire in our heart that we want more, that we want to press into more, whatever that more looks like, and I'll talk about it um, in a little bit more detail. For some of you, this might not even be on the radar scale. You may not even be thinking about this. Because if you don't know there's more, you won't pursue more. You won't rearrange your life to press into more of God and what God wants to, to do. You know, I know a number of people I've spoken to, and this, they will say this is where, where they are at. Maybe because of the church or the community that they became followers of Jesus in, they think that, you know, that their experience or their understanding of God is it. But there's more. There's way, way more. And then for some of you, if you start talking about more, you're going, yeah, yes, there's got to be more. And I was speaking to some people this week, and, uh, and they go, there's got to be more. Because if it's not, God, take me up now, please. You know, two people said that. It's like, there's got to be more. Often I'm with people and I go to conferences and events and, you know, you get stirred up or you're in a worship environment, you read a book and I'm talking to them and they go, oh yeah, there's more, there's more. And I, if I got money for every time I heard that conversation, I'd be a, be a rich person. And it kind of realize, you know, challenges me and makes me realize as somebody who's trying to, as part of the leadership team, not just to teach, but to pass to the church and help them move on, is how can we help people so that, and it's the same with me sometimes. You know, I go, I want more, but how can we move on? So that it's not just something we say, it's not wishful thinking, but it becomes a, a reality. Now, Joe shared last week, um, you know, it was just talking about some who find it harder with this kind of concept, this teaching series. You know, how can you have more of the Spirit, more of God, when we have everything in Christ? Personally, I, I don't have no problem, theological. I don't have any problem, no theological tension Without all, it doesn't even enter my mind. If it does for you, I'd encourage you to listen to Joe's talk. And I think this is for two reasons. Firstly, my journey of faith, and I'll share a little bit about that, my journey with Jesus. And also because ultimately I believe the Bible, in my opinion, is full of invitations into more. But firstly, an illustration that might gonna help, help you out here. Oh, where's it going? It's back. I don't know if you know who this is. Um, this is Christopher Columbus. I was born in Colombia, and this is one of the first pieces of information you learn in history. Christopher Columbus, on October the 12th, 1492, set sail in La Nina, La Pinta, and La Santa, Mar- Santa Maria. And, uh, and they eventually found land on the 3rd of August. Now, they didn't know that there was more land. They were setting out from, can I, I should have checked, somewhere in Europe or Spain, as a sponsor by the Spanish. And they were setting out, they were trying to find, get you know, a new route to the Indies. They thought they knew all that there was already, but they didn't. They didn't know that there was this land that we would call the Americas with untold riches. They didn't even know that there were amazing things that existed there. I mean, there were, there were potatoes. I mean, just think fish and chips. 
bean chips, potatoes. There was chocolate. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. I was trying to bring some chocolate. Maybe I'll bring some chocolate tonight. But, you know, for me, this is a bit what it means about stepping into the more. The more, America was always there. It didn't suddenly just appear. America was there. It's just it hadn't been discovered. The reality and the truth of America hadn't been stepped into, and all the riches and untold things like chocolate and chips and everything else hadn't yet been discovered. And for me, that's what it is about. What we're talking about is we want to go on a journey individually, and we want to go step into this America. And all that it is. And like I say, for me, I don't find it so hard because of my journey. I was... I started following Jesus. I was born into a period of time in the church where a lot of the church, this was in the 1970s, in case you're trying to guess my age, because I know I look younger. <laughs> and in the 1970s, when a lot of the church was saying, there's got to be more. And they were stepping into a period when the reality of the Holy Spirit was becoming a reality. It was becoming more of a known quantity. I know there's more just because at certain periods of time in my life, God has just broken in. I remember I went to university and I thought I was a reasonably good follower of Jesus and trying to pursue him, reading the Bible and praying. And then something happened on the, the 9th of January, 1994. I used to study up in, uh, I was postgraduate there, and I studied in the university in the library. I spent my life in the library. I did um, commerce, but I liked to study in the religious de- um, department because in my breaks, I studied 25 minutes on, five minutes off. I was very going to organize then. And just, I would just read some of the books about all the stuff that God was doing in revivals. And then on the 9th of January, 1994, God just turned up. He just turned my life upside down. You know, I used to creep into church, last person in, first person out. He just wrecked my life. He took away all my knowledge of the Bible. He made me realize that I knew so much about God, but I didn't know him, and it broke my heart. You know, I was sharing with some people um, from our church a few weeks ago. I'd say I still know less of the Bible now than I did then. I kind of walk what I'd call with a limp. When somebody shares a verse, and I think 25 years ago, I'd be able to tell you where that is. I can't tell you now. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Because I didn't know that I needed that. But now looking back on it, it's like, oh, thank you, God. You know, and I could go through kind of other stories. I remember in 2010, God started turning up. God had been healing people for years and years. Just amazing stories. And some of it for you, this might be, you know, if you're a visitor here or a guest from somewhere else, God heals. It's been healing for a lot of years. Uh, if you stick around to the end, you'll see God heal again, if you haven't seen God heal. But what he started to do in kind of 2010 was he started not just to kind of heal people's legs, he began to take away scars. And that kind of just messed in my mind. I was like, wow, i never seen that before. Some of you who know me uh, better know that kind of my main focus and work is working amongst Muslims. When we, Katie and I went to the Middle East in 2002, our, our dream was to see one or two Muslims come to Jesus. Maybe get a unit of you know, 5, 10, 12 people. Because that's all that was happening. Then in 2010, in my part of the world, in the Middle East, God started doing something. There was more. Suddenly, hundreds and thousands of Muslims started giving their lives to Jesus. And I don't mean like ones and twos. I mean like tens, twenties, hundreds. You see, so when I can start thinking about more, I don't have a problem thinking about more because God just keeps breaking in and going, poor, there isn't more. I never really thought about it. God in his graciousness just broke it in. And so there is so much more. And I could go on, you know, I was thinking about, you know, if I had another week, 
You know, I just, I just share stories, stories that I know, stories I've been involved with, stories that I've read. You know, one of the reasons I read to my children every night, I read stories of more. Because I want their appetite. I want whatever I've seen to be their kind of flaw. That they will press into more and see more breakthroughs and see more amazing things that I would never even imagine. And so we do this because I don't want us to be satisfied. I don't want us to be average. Often when I'm speaking particularly to younger people, I say, don't be normal. Don't be ordinary. Don't look around and kind of make your level of following Jesus what you see. Let that be the minimum. Because there's way more out there. And that's kind of my pursuit and that's my, my, my journey. And let's go on it. Secondly, I don't have a problem because just theologically, theology is a very fancy word. It just really means the study of God, the study of the Bible. And just a few things quickly. I keep jumping forward, one, two. There we go. Matthew 10, verse 8, it says, you know, go heal the sick, raise the dead. I've seen people get healed, but I haven't yet raised the dead, so I know there's more. This was like a job description for all of us. You know, I've raised a goldfish. Goldfish is about as close as I got. I've raised a goldfish from the dead. I've got to start somewhere. Let's <laughs> just be honest. I just going to share a story from my wife, which she's not here, so I won't share it. But uh, she was going for something more than a goldfish before a human. But, uh, you know, just raise the dead. Then you read here in Luke um, chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. I haven't yet seen a blind person see again. There's more. I read in Scripture that when people um, walked in, some of the apostles, some of the followers of Jesus in the early church, that when their shadow fell on people, they got healed. I haven't seen that yet. And the Bible says there's way, way more than that. One of the reasons why the Vineyard um, Church denomination movement was set up, because the person who set it up called John Wimber said there must be more. He didn't exactly use that words, but he started reading the Bible in verses like this, and he said, I, I don't see this happening. There's got to be more. He used this phrase, you know, when do we get to do the stuff? When do we get to do the stuff that I read in the Bible? And so for me, it's there in the Bible, but some people don't even know that we get to play that game. There is more. Just another one because I really want to hammer this point forth, because I really, for those uh, the first point, I really want you to get you salivating. You've got a very well-known verse in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I've shared this before, but the phrase there is go and make disciples of all nations. And I know it's not a trick question. It doesn't say individuals. It says baptizing them. What's he talking about? Nations. And teaching them was the context. Nations. There's way more out there. You know, in a few weeks' time, we're going to be having a baptism service. We've got a couple of people getting baptized. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate. It's just going to be fantastic with those two people. And I'll keep, you know, celebrating as the people, but I'm going for the more because we're called not just to look for individuals. We're called to do whole nations. We should be baptizing whole communities at, at one point. I've started to see that overseas, but there's no reason why it cannot happen here. 
There's more. There's more. And lastly, in relation to who God is. This is, again, a very well-known verse, Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. And I pray that you, you, just take your name, put your name in there, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul wouldn't challenge us to pray for something if we had it already. If we had the full revelation, he's saying, ah, Paul's saying to the, the church in Ephesus, which the letter of Ephesians is written to, is like, there is more. I want you to be able to grasp. And he's just focusing on one area. You know, the width and depth and height of God's love. There's way more. You know, when I'm old enough to remember when 3D kind of cinema and TV kind of, kind of came out. People are like, wow. Whoa, this is just amazing. And when you put these little glasses on. I haven't been to cinema for ages. It might, it might be more high tech now. But you know, when he's talking about love here, it gives four dimensions. We think we're excited when we're in three dimensions. I looked this up because somebody told me, because I'm not an expert in this area. Physicists tell me there's between 10 and 11 dimensions. Just take it from me. That's one of your discussions, you know. <laughs> Show off some information tomorrow at work or in, you know, at university, whatever. There's 10 to 11 different dimensions. There is way more. We think we're kind of like, wow, this is amazing because we've got 2D thing. Then we think, wow, we've got 3D. There's more. There's more of God that we can step into. Even Jeremiah 33 verse 3, God throws this challenge out to us. God says to us, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. It's like, come on, challenge me. You know, as soon as I think God challenges us and says, take me up on this challenge, I will show you deep and unsearchable things you do not know. There is so much more out there. And so, as a church, as a leadership team, we want to just say, yeah, like I said, I want to get you salivating. Whatever you've seen, whatever you experience, whatever you know of God, there is, there is more. In some ways, I don't really know what the more is, but I know there is more. And we have that invitation. On the flip side, uh, the Bible warns us about being satisfied. In Isaiah 13, verse 6, he talks about, do not get satisfied. And so I often have this tension. You know, I often talk about this with us, from the leadership team and those who are close to me. I have this tension in my life. Uh, I'm on this journey of seeking always to be satisfied because the Bible talks and challenges us about being satisfied, being content in the place and the situation and whatever we're in, and yet not being satisfied. To be content, but not being content. Content in who I am and what God has called me, but also knowing that there is more. When I was thinking about more, it got me thinking about this. Can I come up? No, come on. Oh, no, it's jumping again. Please, sir, Oliver, a twist. And I think sometimes when we think about more and God, we kind of have this mentality. You know, I want some more. And I think sometimes we think of the Father as being something like the, the I haven't read Oliver Twist, but you know, the, the guy that Oliver Twist says this to in, in the workhouse. But the Father, he wants to give us more. 
There's a lovely parable that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 15. Sometimes we call it the the parable of the prodigal son. But actually it's a parable of two sons, or you could say the parable of the father's heart. And often we focus in on this son that kind of walks in to walk away from God and then comes back to God. And we don't think about what's called the elder brother. Um, I haven't got time to kind of go into it, but there's an interesting phrase I've been thinking about for the last few months where the father who represents God says to the elder son, all I have is yours. You know, I think about it. God is saying to me, all I have is yours. In some ways, I can't totally understand. It's a bit like looking across the ocean towards this nation of America. All I have is yours. God Almighty owns the whole universe. He can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God. He's the healer. He's the resurrection. He's the restorer. says, all I have is yours. It just blows my mind. So there is more. The question is, how can we step into that? And that's particularly where I want to focus in on today. Because I don't want us just to cry out. I want us to step in or step up or step out, whatever it looks like to you. God says there's more. And as I look at the Bible, the Bible is just absolutely jam-packed with stories of people that God has invited into more. And like any invitation, there's an aspect of choice. And so I'm just going to pick on three particular stories in the Bible where God comes along and breaks into people's lives and says there's more. And see how they react to it and how we can learn from them and the challenges they had to face. So you're going to get a lot of scripture. You're going to get more scripture from me today than you probably had in a long time. Can you just about see that? I'm going to make it much larger, yeah. This is a story of Abraham, or Abraham as he was at that point in time. And this is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Here's Abram, later called Abraham, going to live in his life quite happily. Pretty much what was going to modern day Iraq. And then God turns up to him and invites him into more. And this is a great example because... Abraham probably didn't really know. He had this kind of great, lovely promise, but he didn't really know what it was going to look like. He wasn't even really sure where this land was going to be. He just had heard this call and invitation. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Leave your family. Leave what you're familiar with. As soon as we want to step into the more, it means leaving behind something. Leaving behind something you're familiar with. There's a cost in doing that. I know a little bit about what Abraham did you know, a number of years ago. We, we went overseas. I'd say actually the greater cost, both for Katie and me, was coming back to the UK. But whatever God is calling you into, into that unknown, if you want more, sometimes you have to leave something behind.
What is it for you? What is it for me? And that's difficult. Going back to the story of Christopher Columbus, he set sail into the unknown. And he, he kept a, a logbook. And um, after a few weeks, the crew wanted to kill him. Because they were just scared. As far as they were known, they were going off the edge of the world. Remember, they thought the world was square, you know, um, flat. Yeah, flat, square. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. And uh, it was flat. So they thought they were going to go over the edge. And, and Christopher Columbus wrote this in his diary every day. Sailed on. Sailed on. He just kept persevering. And sometimes God is calling us into something and we don't know what it is. This journey or more, if it was kind of nice and easy and neat, it would be quite easy. But it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of courage. Why is God calling you to leave? That's one of the first questions there at the end. Maybe it's something familiar. um, Sometimes when we think about more, we think about more uh, people getting healed, more people getting, uh, coming, to, coming to know Jesus. But there's way more out there. When I was thinking about this morning, I felt maybe there's somebody who God's just saying, you've been thinking about setting up your own business. And God's saying, go for it. You're leaving something that might be familiar and stepping into it. And so look at it through that grid as well. When you start thinking about more, this journey that we're going in for more, it can mean a whole load of different things to different people. What is God calling you to leave? Chew that over. Here's another person that God called. It's a little bit longer. I think you just about read this. Joe used this font last week, so I thought I can get away with it. As I could read it. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And I chose this because this is a good story in the sense of another aspect where God calls us into more. In this situation, God was calling Moses into a situation of more understanding of who God is. He got a new revelation of God that nobody else had ever had up to that point in time. But a bit later on, he starts giving his name, I am who I am. He gave him a calling into a new identity and authority that Moses had never had. But this came when Moses turned aside. And as I reflected on this story you know, what Moses was doing was important. You know, it wasn't like he was wasting his time. He was doing a very valid role. He was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. He was not wasting his time. Yet, in, amongst, in the midst of what was important and what was valuable, God ter- called him to turn aside. It's easy to think in our lives, well, what I'm doing is important, it's valuable. But I feel like one of the things that God is calling us individually and as a church is to turn aside. 
to step into something more of who God is. We're given some more clues in the, in the Bible what some of this might look like. This is Psalm 16, verse 8. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and who does not trust in an idol. Some of you know I do consultancy about coaching, so I like to ask questions. So I was asking myself, if I want to step into more, if I want to step aside, if I want to ascend the hill of the Lord, if I want to get to know God better, what does a clean hands and a pure heart mean to me? What do I need to turn aside from? And again, this might be something bad that we know that's in a way between us and God, or it might be something good. Just to give you a couple of examples from my life, because I've been mulling this over. Um, Somebody was just sharing a story with me last week, uh, beginning of church, and they were talking about this person that God had had kind of really turned up and just blessed them. And this person said, why me? And God said to them, because I I trust you not to grumble. And I thought, oh, you know what? Some of you know we've been having some work done on our house. And uh, it's incredibly easy to get grumbling and I could sit here and just go for a big list of things that have gone wrong or delays. Those of you who've had work done in your house, I can just see you going, yes. And um, but I realized, you know, I've become a, a grumbler. And for me, part of that kind of entering into more of God. See, anybody can grumble in hard situations. But part of what more can look like is giving thanks in all circumstances. Being joyful in things that are hard. And so for me, a part of that with the invitation was, would I let go of grumbling and seize hold of joy? Another, maybe another example for me in the sense of wanting to encounter God more, making choices, is um, I love the radio. I'm like kind of Radio 5, Radio 1 and Classic. Depending on who I'm with and which kind of feeling I'm in. And uh, so I, I commute to High Wycombe every week. So it's two hours there, two hours back. And um, just uh, probably about two months ago, I was, I was thinking about this series and thinking, God, what do I need to turn aside from? What does that look like for me? I'm just giving you my example. You've got to figure out for yourself. And I felt like God say, I want you to give me those four hours. Don't, no, don't listen to the radio. Whoa, that was hard. It was just me. You know, it's kind of like an hour, and then I get stuck in the traffic jam, and I'm thinking, like, oh, I wonder if, if I listen to the radio, I can figure out what's happening with this traffic jam. Or I love the news, because I do so much work with stuff overseas, I kind of feel like I should listen to the news, because you know what, something might have happened in the last half hour, since I last listened to the news, because it affects some of my colleagues. And, uh, and I found it really hard. But God was saying, that was something I had to let go of, to move into it. I was driving a couple of days ago, I was driving back from Birmingham, and I was just thinking about kind of Facebook, and I'd kind of been weaning myself down a little bit. And again, this is just me. I'm not saying this is what you have to do. I'm not saying you can't listen to the radio. I'm just showing what this looks like for me in the sense of responding to my own message, because I don't just preach this because I'm saying something. I'm saying I'm trying to grow and develop myself. And I kind of came out with what I normally said. You know, I said, God, you know, I cut down on my Facebook, and... Um, and it really helps me, because if I look at Facebook, I then know what's going to happening uh, with people in the church. It helps me really understand some of their lives and some of their situations, and helps me know what's happening with my colleagues. And God just turned around and said to me, don't you trust me? Why don't you ask me? 
You, you, you look at Facebook because um, you want to know what's happening with people's lives in the church. I tell you what, Paul, if you spent that time speaking to me, I would really tell you what's happening in their lives. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, so I'm trying to wee myself even more. And so uh, what does it mean to you? What does clean hands and a pure heart? What do we need to turn aside from? To step into more. Have a think. Have a ponder. And the last story. I know it's always whizzing through. And these are kind of things you can take away and just, you know, chew over. The disciples. Jesus came along. This is one of the ultimate examples of being called into more. Jesus came along and said, come follow me. And I could have chosen a few different places. But Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Wow. You know, it's a great story. Kind of story, actually, we, we kind of like to read to our kids. I think sometimes we don't realize what we read to our kids. And we've read that story to our kids, and our kids just decided to do that. And uh, did their GCSEs, and suddenly decided to leave. We just go like, what, are you crazy? Are you nuts? You know, they were leaving behind their families. They were leaving behind their careers. They were leaving behind the safety net of family. And take, take it from me, in that part of the world, your family is everything. Your tribe is everything. They were leaving that behind. They, uh, they left out their easily marked life. You know, it's maybe a little bit like my, my daughter Sophie is probably one of the more organized ones. She's like, she's already like, can I buy this so I'm ready for university? She's not even done no GCSEs. But, you know, she's kind of got this kind of like, I'm going to do this. They might have had this. They had this little plan and program of what they wanted to do. And they left it behind. They would have brought incredibly shame on their family. But that was part of the cost of more. What does that look like for us? A bit later on in Scripture, we have a, a couple of instances. You know, not everybody that call, God calls follows. There's a story where Jesus just shares a story of different people uh, who came to him and said, you know, Jesus called them and said, follow me. I invite you into more. And the person said, you know, sorry, I'm too busy. I've got to go and kind of bury family. I've got to go to a, a wedding. Not everybody that God calls into more steps into more. And I'm like, I don't want to be one of those people. And Peter, when he hears this story, the, the very same Peter says, we have left all to follow you. And again, as I was reading, I know this is quite a challenging talk. But the invitation is amazing. I thought... Could I say the same thing as Peter? I have left everything to follow you. You know, it's easy to sing songs. I think we did, uh, a couple of weeks ago we sang, you know, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. You know, it's, it's easy to sing some of the songs that we, we sing, but there's also cost. There's a pain. One of the things I've been thinking about in September, as I've been thinking about this series more, and, and I know scripture here, and I read scripture, and the Bible's full of verses about taking up your cross, paying the cost. Dying, suffering, pain. 
We don't often teach about that in, in church. Um, the church I used to go to when I was a child, I talked about it all the time. It's kind of like one or the other. <laughs> you know, we teach a lot about the loving Father and the goodness of the Father and the mercy of the Father. And that's true, but this is not a balance. As a pastor here, I'm trying to just give us a balance. And, and these are some of the questions I was asking. What is it costing me to follow Jesus? To be honest, my life is pretty easy at the moment. You know, for all the hassles that I grumble about, my life is pretty easy. How am I suffering for Christ? And again, I just throw this out, but I know in senses, if I want more, I have to face these questions and press into that and discover what it looks like for me. Because sometimes when we hear these stories, you think like, I could never do that. I often hear some of these stories like this and people go, oh, I could never do that, not in my stage of life. I think in one re- I'm in some ways quite privileged because of my work with Frontiers. I hang out with all sorts of crazy people and do some amazing stuff. And I could pretty much pick any situation, any stage in life and say, you're retired. I can tell you a story about somebody. Somebody's just had a baby and they're going to Afghanistan. And I can just go through it. There's a, there's a, there's a cost. And so I, I, I've seen some of that. One of my greatest... And privileges to work in my organization, Frontiers. I get to go to lots of conferences. But um, every four years we gather. And the last thing we do on that day is we kind of have communion and celebrate. But we also remember how many of my colleagues have been killed in the last four years. I was up at the prayer room for my international organization. I don't normally go there. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I knew one of my colleagues was kidnapped at the moment. I didn't realize six of my colleagues are kidnapped at the moment. And I share that not in some ways to kind of shock you, whatever, but sometimes when you're in a certain environment, one just takes following Jesus, it just looks like this. And I don't know what it looks like for each one of you. It means different things to different one of us. But there's a cost. What is it? If we want more, there is a cost. We, we, we kind of all know this, don't we? If we want something more, there's a cost. You know, I've always wanted to be a, a great runner, and I was to be able to play the guitar really well. Well, many years ago, I kind of put a lot of the effort into running, and I became a good runner. My fingers got hard playing the guitar, but I gave up. I had a choice. I couldn't blame anybody else. I've just started running again recently, and I was just challenged. You know, I was running the other week, and I was thinking, do I just want to be the one who just does the half marathons, 10Ks, do what I would call eight-minute miley? Or do I want to become the best in my age group? I'm old enough now to be in an age group. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, I don't know. I need to make that decision. What do I really want? I know what I need to do. Because I used to do a lot of running. I know what I need to do if I want to be the, you know, the best in age, kind of 45 to 55, whatever. Do I really want that? And I'm kind of giving some ways, some silly examples. But I'm talking about a serious issue. Do we really want more? I don't want to be one of these that just talks about more all the time. Goes to a conference, reads a book. I don't want to be a church that just talks about more. We get excited when we run conferences here. And it's like, yeah, this is fantastic. Let's bring in this team, bring in that person. And then we're the same afterwards. There's a, a cost. So just to summarize that, uh, like I said, I do consultancy sometimes. And this is a little grid. It's very useful. And I'd encourage you just to go away with that before God. What's God calling you to do more of? 
What's God calling you to do less of? What's he asking you to start doing? And this could be an actual physical thing. It might be a thought pattern, you know, filling the, the gap. What's he asking you to stop? It could be an issue of sin in the sense of approaching God. It might be stopping a job. It might be, if, if you, the, 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 the list is endless. But I do know that if we want to see more of God, if we want to encounter God, if we want to go on some of these adventures that God is inviting us into, for all maybe, I know it's a tough message I'm sharing this morning, but for that kind of challenge, what I want you to hear is the Father heart of God. The Spirit whispering in your heart, saying there's more. There's so much more. Child of mine. And you know, you can fill in your name, Paul. Paul. I've got so much more for you. I've got so much more for your family. I've got so much more for your marriage. I've got, you know, and just, that's just allowing God to speak to me. What do I need to do? So let's not just cry out. Let's step in. Let's step up. Let's step out. Can we have the the worship band? Uh, Oh, I think I can see them there. And I think, um, Nigel might have some ideas, but I think one of the things that God wants to do is is, is quite a, just to kind of reflect. So maybe we just have like a minute just to reflect, because I know it's like, oh, I crammed in a lot this morning. And many questions, but reflect and say, God, maybe I'll flip back to that grid. As you sit there, just ask the Spirit. I don't want you just to create something. Or think, oh, he's talked about Facebook, maybe I should do Facebook. No, no. What's God saying to you? And just going to respond in your heart. And then we're going to have an opportunity uh, for lots of things. You know, if you want healing, um, Nigel was talking about making things new. There's a lot of God wants to do. But some of it, maybe in the sense of responding to this, is just to step out. Because some of the things that God calls us into, to leave behind, to let go of, to move on, are difficult things. And sometimes it's just great to suddenly come alongside you and just say, God, give him the strength. And the courage to do whatever you're calling them to do. Why don't we stand together? So um, there's an invitation in all that Paul has shared with us. And thank you for sharing, Paul. You shared your heart and you challenged us. And that's really great. It feels to me like when there's an invitation comes, we need to respond. An invitation demands a response doesn't it? You can't just ignore an invitation. And it seems to me that God is presenting us an invitation um, and we could respond by saying no thanks <laughs> and that's fine. Or we could respond by saying not now, I need to think about that or I need to pray about it some more. But if you, if you know, having just reflected that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to, to respond, then um, it would be really good for you to do that. I would encourage you to make a response, either a physical or a spoken response. Uh, to the Lord to say okay yes uh, thank you Lord I hear you and I'm responding so I just want to kind of provide a bit of space for us to do that 
and then we'd love to pray for anybody who would like to do that or maybe you just want to make the response by coming and standing in a space in front of the Lord and saying I'm here to say that I'm hearing you and I'm making I'm making a commitment to either do more or do less or start or stop something that you sense the Lord is inviting you to so just keep our eyes closed and Holy Spirit thank you for your presence here thank you that you're here and thank you for the invitation to step into more of you more of your presence more of your power at work in our lives and Lord we do hear and understand that this is a call for us to make a step and we don't want to be people who just cry out for more we want to be people who step into more and so for some of us Lord it's very clear what that step is right now for others it may be less clear at this point but for those of us who it is Lord we just want to respond and we want to say yes we want to do that so if you know that the Lord is speaking to you and you know that there's something that he's put his finger on if you know straight away or you know now what the Holy Spirit is talking to you about then why don't you respond you may want to hold your hands out you may want to speak words words out to him you may want to come and stand in a space in the front here and just hold your hands out and, and just receive whatever God has for you I would love to invite you to do that if that's where you're at so if that's you why don't you come there's plenty of space if you know the Lord is speaking to you and you want to respond and say yes Nothing special or magical, spooky about what goes on at the front here. It's just an opportunity to physically respond to what God is saying and calling us to. I'm not looking for a special number of people. I just want to make this space available to you. do is I want to make a response on behalf of us as a church community Joe will speak more about this next week but I just want to say on behalf of this church in as much as it's coming on me and Joe as us as the leaders that Lord we want to respond to the invitation to your invitation to step into more whatever that looks like whatever that means practically We want to take seriously your invitation to consider what you're asking us to stop, the things that you're asking us to turn away from, the things that, what it's going to cost, and how it is that we want to just keep following you. And we just acknowledge, Father, that there are places and things that we do not yet know about, that we have not yet experienced in you. There are certainly people who need to find you here and we haven't encountered them yet. There are spaces and communities in our towns and cities that need more of your life and hope and the the call is on us to be part of the solution there. 
Lord, whatever it is that you're calling us into as a church, we, our response, my response is to say yes, Lord. Show us what that means and show us how to do that. precious moment for many people the Holy Spirit is just encountering you some of you are at the front some of you around the room and God is really very present and in that presence and in that stillness I just pray more more of the Holy Spirit encountering each and every one of us more of what you want to do in our lives God and more of our response to you as we step in